surprise me of course i have no idea what's <laughs> this is gratitude unfiltered and we're getting a little taste of uh what it's like right now um it's not always it, it, it's it's funny life is not always sunshine and rainbows and i man i like i i had this weird crazy thing happen with a bank transfer and 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 then all things went haywire and come to find out i don't exist like someone stole my identity. So I guess somebody else is me. I don't know how this works, but I got to figure it out. Anyway, this is going to be a wild next few days, I think, especially with <laughs> especially with um, going to Las Vegas and I have no identity. How am I going to get a place to live? I got to figure this out because I'm leaving the 15th. <laughs> Another adventure. Another thing to get, just give it to God and go, okay, whatever. I mean, could be worse. I could have to stay in San Diego. That wouldn't be so bad. What's up, everybody? This is Gratitude Unfiltered. I'm so happy to see you. Uh, thank you so much, Armed Radio, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Thank you guys so much. iTunes, Google Podcast. Thank you guys so much for the support. Um, you get to see the numbers in the back office or the you know the computer, and it just it's just such a blessing. So I appreciate you guys so much for liking, sharing. Uh, it means a lot to me. Uh, as you guys know, this is like a life passion of mine to be able to do this. And uh, it means a lot. So your support means everything. So it's good to see you. I don't see any names because BeLive is jacked up again. So if you're there and I don't see you, which I see nobody, hello, welcome. Radio audience, you can go to facebook.com slash gratitude unfiltered and you can check us out. Um, I, I, I almost canceled the show today. I was going to because I was freaking stressed out. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to let the enemy get me. This is exactly the kind of moment that I get triggered. And I've talked to you. Uh, my my dark passenger, it's so fitting who, who we have coming on. My dark passenger loves moments like this. Loves them. That son of a... This, my dark passenger feeds off this kind of stuff. Like crazy drama uh like completely out of your control things happening my dark passenger loves it and i am not going to let it affect me because somehow some way i'm going to find a solution for this i've never had my identity stolen i've had my credit card stolen i've had all kinds of crazy things stolen but literally went to my credit report i don't exist it's the craziest thing and, and, and literally, like, all my bank accounts were shut down. I have no idea why. It's the craziest freaking thing. So anyway, and I just got them depositing a check, or no, cash, into the account. Yeah, they shut that account down, too. That happened right before the show. 
you're not going to get me, enemy. I, you're not going to. You are not going to stop me. You're not. You're not. Because I, I'm not going to let this get to me. Because whatever. I've been homeless before. I can sleep in a car again. I'm not afraid. And it didn't stop me then. It's not going to stop me now. And yes, I'm talking to myself right now. Anyway, I'm so happy you're here. And I'm really, really stoked to have on Mr. Alan Wade and Cindy Preston. And it's fitting because these guys are experts. I would call them experts in addiction and mental health. So we're going to have some fun today. You might want to share this video because it may get a little interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our amazing, lovely, awesome guest to the show. What's up, guys? Hey. Hey, how's it going, Josh? Uh, you heard. Like you heard all night. And And if you just yep. joined the show, you will watch the beginning later. It This is, bit, this is wild. But we're not gonna we're not gonna spend the show talking about that. First of all, I'm grateful that you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here, and um, I'm excited to talk about addiction and mental health because it's something that I'm very passionate about. Something that I deal with in real time, as you heard me talk to my dark dark passenger just now, telling him I'm not going to let this affect me. Screw you, I'm good. <laughs> so I'm, nice. I'm excited. So. You know what? I don't even feel like asking my normal question that I ask. So let's talk about this. What was it in your life that made you decide, and you both can answer this, but what was it that happened in your lives that you decided that, you know what? I want my life's work to be about helping people that suffer with addiction and mental health issues. Well, I I had a, a dark uh, period too for uh, many years when I was uh, younger. I was um, raped when I was ten, and I I didn't deal with it uh, very well. And I actually fell in drugs and alcohol to to um, to escape from the past. That um, you know the night terrors, the flashbacks, and everything. And then it was years later that. Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to go to school and to become an addictions counselor to help people. And um, when I shared that story with uh, some of the clients, they came out and shared their own stories of that. Guys uh, have problems sharing personal and, you know, that's quite a, a personal thing to happen and embarrassing and there's a lot of shame and guilt. <sighs> Okay, you already have you already have me. I, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be bawling my eyes out in the show. Yeah, that that's that the fact that you've done that. I have so many questions for you. Like we almost should do this interview. <laughs> we should break these in two. But I, you can continue your answer if you're done. Um, I'd love to hear from Cindy too. But that alone, what you just said, raped as a child night terrors, the drugs, the, were the, let me ask you this, were the drugs to make the nightmares a fantasy? Were the drugs ever that? To Actually, like the, yeah, the, the drugs were basically um, periods of peace. It was hard to, um, to escape the memories, to escape. 
it was like a constant in your head, broken record. You know how in the old days it would skip, go right back to that memory skip. Well, when you had that memory, you had, um, I, I was 25 years old, six foot, 200 pounds, and I would be, uh, I'd get up and it would be like I was 10 years old again, be um, scared for my life. And of course, when I was growing up, uh, boys and men didn't cry. My um, crying period ended at 16 and it turned to anger. And I, I masked all that pain with anger for years. So yeah, it's, uh, the drugs were periods of quietness, actually. Yeah, that's it, it. Drugs made me feel normal. Does that sound familiar? Yep, I know that one. Yeah. Golly, man. Yeah, like I said, we have a we have a whole separate conversation. Cindy, talk to me. Uh, well, sim similarly to me, I had my own struggles, um, mostly depression, anxiety, and um, I coped using alcohol when I was in my younger years, in my 20s. Um, helped me just to numb out the feelings. And, um, you know, I had a lot of suicidal thoughts, didn't want to be here. And I realized, you know what, there are many people out there who feel like me. And I went to therapy and, you know, started feeling better. And I decided I want to help people who are suffering like I have been. And now when I work with clients, I can look in their eyes and I can say, I have been there and they can feel, you know, my empathy and uh, understand that I have been where they were. And it really helps that connection and helps them to heal knowing that they're not alone. So oh, I'm so just to I'm not trying to relate to you, but this is what the show is. It's it's gratitude. Gratitude with unfiltered was birth from me dealing. I had a show called Morning Gratitude and I went off the deep end for two months. My dark passenger, my shadow ate me. And I and I honestly I thought after I gave my life to Christ that I was done. Like I thought, oh, no more demon attacks. Like I'm, I'm fine. No more dark passenger. No, it came up. And I know how it came up. I know how it came back. But gratitude unfiltered was birth because when I, I really felt like the only way I would survive this is by shining the light on it. Why I still did the show. I'm, I'm, I'm sweating underneath this suit right now because I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to let it get me. <laughs> so part of okay. doing the show is holding me accountable and keeping me in the light as opposed to hiding because I want you guys to speak about this because you guys obviously know about the shadow. You, yeah. you lived in the shadow, so you know about it. So like why I'm doing the show right now is to keep me from going back into my shadow. Because what has happened in the last few hours is enough to do it. It's a trigger for it. It is. That's why I'm doing this show. To bring awareness to borderline personality, to bring awareness to people's shadows, to try to empower people to get the hell out of their shadow. Or, or, or put a light on it. Talk about it. Talk about it because it can't be a shadow if you put light on it. You know, it dances yeah. around you're, a lot. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. 
Yeah, I would like for you guys to talk about that because you guys, you, because yeah. people on this show hear it from me all the time. I want them to hear it from your perspective. You're, you're absolutely right about uh, talking about it because there's, um, there's this perception that um, if you don't talk, there's nothing wrong, right? And um, we actually wrote a book so that uh, people can realize that there's many people suffering in silence and that the more that people talk about it, the more it'll be, it'll become uh, something not taboo anymore. Like um, for guys to talk about being raped is, is, uh, is, is taboo. Like so many men and women, they, they you know, they, they don't want to say that because they're embarrassed. They're, they blame themselves. There's guilt and shame. So the more that we get it out into the light, like you said, the more that we can talk, actually, the more that you can get help and know that you're not alone, right? Yeah, and I, I just, I apologize for putting my head down, but I didn't share it into the, some of the groups because I think that, you know, addiction and mental health, the lines get blurred really, really easy. And, you know, like, I think they both kind of feed each other, but they're different. They're different phenomenons uh, as far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and so I wanted to share it in some of those groups because I know a lot of those people, a lot of people that are struggling with addiction or struggling with, with, um, you know, with mental health issues, they, they're on medications that maybe alter their ability to feel like themselves. And they say, well, at least I'm not using. So they'll take all of these medications. And, and it's terrifying to me because like, of course, for me, medications made me want to use more, um, you know, and now not using anything, I, I do much better. But it just like I, I, I really want to be able to understand not all I know it's different, but they do blur into each other. Like the again, the mental health and the and the and the, and the addiction. But at the same time, I guarantee you so many people are misdiagnosed, put on a bunch of medications that only make things worse for them. Can you guys talk about that? I, I actually work in a program, we're in Canada, so uh, our programs are a little different, but I actually work in a program we call here concurrent disorders, which I believe in the States is dual diagnosis. Um, so I work with people who actually have mental health and addiction. Mm -hmm. um, that's my specialty. So I find that a lot of times when people are still using and they get diagnosed, that's often when they get misdiagnosed because their using will mimic mental health symptoms. For example, someone who uses cocaine could look like someone who has bipolar disorder. Because when they're using, they have lots of energy, they're not sleeping, they're, you know, going. And then when they crash, it looks like they're actually in the, in the depressive state of bipolar. So they could get misdiagnosed if they're not reporting they're using cocaine and then they might buy bipolar which put we end up on lithium or some different kind of uh, medication when really they have a substance use issue that hasn't been um, diagnosed or treated so that happens a lot with sure. mental health and addiction 
Well, oh, I remember when I was diagnosed with schizophrenia <laughs> when I was in college. Oh, and, right. and I'm like, what? No, no, I, I'm using like I'm using ecstasy like four nights a week, and then like whatever else I get my hands on. Like I'm not schizophrenic. I just haven't slept. But then, oh no, no, here's a bunch of pills anyway. So you were saying, sir, I'm sorry. For for me, it's kind of funny how the people can get diagnosed in a in an hour or a half hour by someone who's just uh, just met them and then put on um, a prescription that that has so many side effects. It's kind of like, which one is the worst, the, the medication with the side effects or what they're being diagnosed with? And it's like Cindy just mentioned, there could be uh, countless reasons for it. And yet when you're not, um, I just don't understand it. I work with uh, very severely mentally ill people and, um, the diagnoses that come out within it to an hour are, are, well, I don't know where they're pulling it out of sometimes. Like for me, when I would go in and see a psychiatrist, I guarantee you that I shape conversations based on, so if I wanted to feel a certain way, I could shape the conversation to get me to there. And I guarantee you, I'm not alone. I guarantee I'm not the only one that's sat in front of a psychiatrist and go, you know, I have a, a really hard time paying attention. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm falling asleep in class. Like I'm not the only person that's ever said that. Like I know I'm not. And like, no. and, and there's other things too. People that have faith, like, oh, my pain is an eight out of ten, so they can get the good stuff. You know, I mean, I misled so many doctors too. So, I mean, it's probably my own fault that I got diagnosed with some of that stuff early on. But I agree with you. How in the world would you know? Because how do you know they're not a narcissist and they're lying? Because, you know, exactly. a lot of there, there, there is that behavior. Like, I'm a recovering narcissist. Like, I, I just, and yeah, I, I'm, it's a symptom of my borderline personality disorder. But I mean, like, it is. Like I'm, yeah, I'm a recovering and I have to fight it because everything in me wants to go back to that because it's the safest feeling thing. Does any of this sound familiar? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, what you just said, uh, I see it all the time. Like the, they, they meet, uh, they meet a client, the client says all the right things and suddenly they're, they're, Basically, getting prescribed some some drug that uh, has some sort of euphoric effect on them or adverse effect on them, and then they won't even take the the medication anyways. It's um, yeah, I I just don't understand how they can make a proper assessment within thirty minutes to an hour when when you first meet a client, right? So agree. So another thing I want to ask. So like what is the deal with like with self-medicating because there's a lot of people that battle with mental health that use drugs and alcohol to make them feel normal because in in retrospect 
those drugs until they go off the deep end. But like initially, those drugs do make them feel better than what the prescription drugs are doing. Like that is kind to me, that is an epidemic that no one really talks about because self-medicators, they always take it too far. <laughs> but initially they do a better job of playing doctor with themselves than the doctor sometimes. And I know that that is probably the most unprofessional comment I could make, but I can promise you every medication that I was ever put on made me really it made me want to use because I didn't like the way it made me feel. Whether it was an antidepressant, an antipsychotic, whether it was a bipolar medication, whether it was an ADHD medication, none of that stuff ever made me feel quite as good and normal as drugs did. And that's why I always ran back to drugs when I, especially, especially, which is extremely dangerous, when I was medicated with prescription drugs. Go ahead. Well, I, I, they always talk about what comes first, the chicken or the egg. And so a lot of times when clients come into service, uh, they have symptoms and there's like, are they because they started using because of their mental health symptoms, such as, for example, a lot of times people who have anxiety, their self-medication a lot of time is alcohol because it decreases the, their anxiety and then they can function properly, right? So um, a lot of time is looking at, so did I ask because they've been drinking for many years or, you know, were they self-medicating because they're medicating the anxiety and depression and before that. So it is really hard to tease all of that out, but people do, they find what works for them. If they are anxious, they'll find the drug that, that helps them with the anxiety. If they're depressed, they'll find whatever works for their depression and then they will use it and sometimes to excess, which then they get in trouble, but they might overdose or, you know, then tolerance occurs and then they end up independence, right? So yeah, right. they do learn how to self-medicate very quickly. But that's the same thing with prescription drugs too. Like you can OD on a bunch of, uh, I mean, there's yeah. obviously Oxycontin, there's the like Adderall. I mean, yep. That, like you can you can do just as much harm with Adderall to yourself as you could with methamphetamine, and it's the same thing. It's just the pharmaceutical version. I mean, it, it like it, it, it. They're all the same thing to me, and it just seems so. But it's okay to get people hooked on the prescription pharmaceuticals and not the street drugs. But really, in the aim to isn't the aim to to, to accomplish the same thing. Like this is a very dangerous game that we are playing and I have to, I honestly, and maybe again, I'm wrong, but it makes me scratch my head at the mental health field. Like 80, I don't, I think like even by, I think bipolar and ADHD, I think all of that stuff is so over, over diagnosed. And again, I'm not the professional, but again, like it's gotta be so over diagnosed because honestly, I look at my ADHD as a superpower. I, I, if I find something that interests me, I'm obsessed, I'm hyper-focused, I'm in it. Like, I'm all in. If I'm bored, I'm bored. <laughs> it doesn't exist. So maybe I shouldn't be paying attention to it. Like, it's just, I don't know. Well, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And you, you've got to think of it like this. The, the doctors are 
are um, getting information from the pharmaceutical companies and they're doing their, uh, I actually had um, a seminar with one company, I won't uh, mention who they are. They had a long-term research. Do you know what their long-term research was? 33 weeks. That's not very long. Well, you know what? I was going to say that, and uh, one of my managers was with me at, uh, at uh, this meeting, and um, she put her hand on mine because she knew I was going to say, like, if that's what you consider long-term. Um, I'm not a rocket scientist. I would have figured long-term would have been longer-term. 33 weeks is a drop in the bucket. You don't know what um, the uh, side effects are, the, you know, what, what's going to happen years later down the road. But uh, the pharmaceutical companies are feeding the doctors this information, and part of it is misinformation. You know, um, um, prescribe my, my medication because it solves many things like schizophrenia or bipolar or depression. Um, and you know what? I've, I've had clients uh, take antidepressants and become severely depressed and suicidal. And when you look up the side effect, it says, oh, may cause suicidal tendencies. And you give that to a person that's depressed. You know. I don't want to get you guys in trouble because I don't know the answer to this question. But I'm always in trouble. Cool. We'll get along great. Um, what's your what is your feelings about what is your feeling about addicts using cannabis to, de to detox off of opioids? You know what? It's the lesser of two evils, right? Yeah, what else Well, you know what? Uh, do you have methadone um, clinics down there? I've never looked one up. I don't know. But I'm sure there are, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I find that a lot of methadone clinics are used to detox off of, uh, um, you know, opioids or heroin or whatever, and they're on uh, methadone for years, 10 years. Uh, in what I've learned about methadone, you're supposed to be tapering them off at a specific rate so that they eventually get off, but that doesn't make the pharmaceutical company any money, does it? No, screw them, by the way. Um, screw them. Yeah. I, it, it, it's, I, we have now, listen, we, the, the truth is about cannabis is that we really don't know anything about it. Like I, I read Israel oh. study, studies from Israel all the time. I love all the new research. They're only finding really positive stuff, which is great, but we still don't know enough. And like one of the, tr people think that the, 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 one of the misnomers about cannabis is they think that like, there's a reason why some CBDs work for people and some don't. There's a reason why that when people say, oh, this, 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 this cannabis will heal cancer. No, it doesn't work that way. 
because some strains are meant for certain ailments. It is so specific. Yeah. And yet we are not even near, like not even near understanding this plant yet. It's doing a lot of good, but it's really too soon to be saying this is some miracle. Like I truly believe that I truly believe in the power of cannabis, but at the same time, I also believe that there's a lot of unknowns that are really, really scary for people who are using other medications. Um, they, you know, they, they may be using one thing, thinking they're treating something, but in fact, it's doing the opposite effect. Like that's possible. There are so many strains and each one of them are different. Like it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like playing Russian roulette, right? Like it feels good because, oh, it's organic and oh, Jesus made it. No, it, but honestly, it's playing Russian roulette, isn't it? Yeah, it, I agree totally that uh, there, there needs to be a lot more research. Um, you heard me talk about that uh, drug company that did 33 weeks uh, long-term research. It doesn't matter what, um, what drug you're getting, whether it's mother nature's drug or the pharmaceutical drug, we only know what we've researched. Like you said, Israel's got uh, a lot more research than, than most people. Europe has got a lot more research uh, than North America has. And if you, you put all of the studies together, that's still not a very long period of time that they've been doing studies on this. So who knows what the real adverse effect is going to be or what the benefit is. It's like you said, there, there's so many different strains for so many different things. They've got it down to, to um, oh, this will do chronic pain or this will do anxiety or this will do um, headaches, like I can't even tell you what, how many different kinds there are out there, right? Yeah. I think that, yeah, we need to do a lot more research and just keep researching it. Yeah, and it's like sad. I know that. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I know that uh, most prescription drugs have any adverse side effects, right? Because we've had prescription drugs for a long period of time. Right. Adverse uh, side effects from marijuana. I mean, outside of jalapeno Cheetos and uh, uh, what are those called? Those cutie oranges, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Um, it, it, but it, it does scare me a little bit because I there's a lot of addicts that are looking at cannabis as this savior in a way. And it may be and it may not. Um, I mean, it is the lesser of two evils. But at the same time, man, it is like it's strange. And even with all that said. Like there's still something we're missing in the treatment of addiction and mental health issues. I, I'm somebody that believes, and you can correct me, you guys have all, you have the certificates on the wall. I do not. I just have the life experience of dealing with it, wrestling with it, and, and trying things. But borderline personality disorder, to me, is more of a demon possession than anything. 
Like, I don't think it's a chemical imbalance. I personally think that when I was molested as a child, and I, I'm also one of those be people that believe that you transfer spirits when you're having sex with somebody, that spirit that is inside you when somebody that is evil enough to rape a little boy, um, yeah, that, 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 that transfers. I, I, I truly believe it. And I honestly think that, like, I know I can trace back my dark passenger coming back to a time when I quit spending as much time with God. I quit doing all the little things like writing and praying and reading and like intentionally having a quiet time. Some people do it with meditation. Some people, I do it with the Bible and in my notepad and praying. And, and that, that, helps me that helps me be able to when i feel like with what happened today i'm able to say no you're not going to stop me you're not going to get me but when i don't have my armor built up that's when the dark passenger takes over so i'm convinced that borderline personality disorder is more of a demon possession than it is anything you can call me crazy it's okay but i really believe it in my heart I agree with you, though. Um, I we are both Reiki masters, so we work with energy. So that when we're, we're when we're dealing with people, there's always energy transference between people, right? So I totally can understand and relate to what you're saying. So if you're with someone who's, we'll say, evil, and they are actually, you know, connected to you in a sexual way, there's definitely that energy transference that's going on there, right? And so it can definitely affect people. I, I know for me, I walk in a room and if there's someone with negative energy in that room, I pick it up right away. And my vibes are like, stay away from that person. So I totally get what you're saying with that. And a lot of times with people who've been abused at a young age, then they buy uh, borderline personality disorder. Like, cause I work a lot with that with people who've had trauma. A lot of them have those traits, right? So where is that correlation? And, um, yeah, it definitely manifests throughout their life. So makes sense what you're saying. Yeah. I, I, and uh, a lot of people that, uh, sorry. sorry, a lot of people that, um, that have had childhood traumas or traumas of all sorts end up turning to drugs or alcohol to calm or to have peace and quiet or like for you, it could have been for whatever reason. I can basically say almost 100% of the clients that I've worked with have had some trauma in their, their childhood, mid-teens or something like that. So, you know. It's, yeah, like I've, I've made a decision. Um, I've talked about on the show actually a lot lately because because I feel the way that I do, it's a reason I've chosen to be abstinent because sex is my go-to. Like it's like if I'm sad, angry, pissed, <laughs> in full rage, <laughs> if I'm feeling joy, it's my go-to. And I, even though I've been in a relationship for five years, it's like, no, I, I, I have to, I gotta heal this part because it's not. Like that, that those things aren't normal. 
And so that's why I've become so obsessed with understanding like the transference of spirits into another person through intercourse. And like that, that if it, it, it freaks people out, but there's real science on it. Like you can go look at it and it makes sense, especially when it makes more sense. Like you don't, you don't want to think about your girlfriend with all the spirits in her guys. I, I like, I get it. <laughs> Like you're not, you don't want to think about that. It's kind of a buzzkill. But if you want to understand what I'm trying to say, think about it from a the perspective of a child, and think about all the people that have borderline personality disorder are just they're 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 they're, they're in love with the rage, and they have this dark side to their personality, and they maybe have acted out sexually in ways that have embarrassed their family, or or they, they they've gotten in trouble somehow, like. There's no coincidence. Like it, it, it just makes too much sense because they're taking on. They don't. They weren't born. No one's born evil. It happens through things like what we've been talking about, and it's brutal. It sucks, but we also get to heal it. And like what you guys have done with your career, you not only get to heal from it, you get to talk about it. And and, 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 and and help other people use their voice to talk about it so they can get well, so they can heal. So they yeah. have a chance of using that shit in their past to bless other people and experience some kind of joy. We often say in addiction, secrets keep you sick. So being able to talk about that pain and those secrets that are so deep within our being that are painful helps to heal, as you say, bring it into the light, right? So absolutely. And helping people through our sharing and your sharing, other people who are sitting there in pain going, oh my God, like I, I want to talk about this. And now I finally feel like I can. It's so helpful. Really quick. I, I, now I remember... Hold on two seconds. Go ahead. Uh, every hey, so all of the comments just popped up one at all at once. So Bonnie, Pina, <laughs> Melissa, Crystal, Cherie. Hey, Cherie, my friend, how are you? Uh, Lisa, Bonnie, thank you guys so much for joining the show. I've not seen you all until just now. Uh, in radio audience, you can join us at Facebook.com/slash Gratitude Unfiltered. All right. Sorry. Thank you. Carry on. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I remember the 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 time I admitted to being raped at uh, ten years old, and it was it was actually a fluke, and I had kept that secret for nearly, well, I think it was nearly forty years, and I was lecturing to a group on abuse, and I just because I had done the, the lecture a, a few times. And I just looked up and said, well, I know what it was like to be, you know, mentally abused, emotionally abused, physically abused, and sex. And I remember that that was the first time I ever let anyone else in the, the rest of the world know that I kept basically from 10 years to, I think I was 49 years old. And I remember being embarrassed turning back to the blackboard to make like I was going to record and 
composed myself because I could feel the, the flushness on my face. And then I said, no. And then I turned back to the group and realized that nothing had changed, but everything had changed in there because more people started opening up about their own journeys and their own, um, their own, you know, traumas in life. And it's like you said in the beginning of the show, light on it and other people will feel comfortable enough to start talking about their own problem and their own demons. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's beautiful. Like when people start sharing their truth, the stuff that they want to hide, it kind of, like when you can walk around a city and go, like when you're isolated, the mental health stigmas are paralyzing. Oh, you're boy, you're never going to be normal. You're never going to have a normal life. You're never going to have this. You're never going to do that. You're 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 a nutcase. That that that's when you're isolated, you feel that way. But I can talk about having borderline personality in a way that it's like it doesn't really bother me. Like it's a thing, but I've created the habit of when I get triggered, I got to talk about it. And, and, and like, and then, and I also know by talking about this, I found my tribe and it's not other people with borderline personality disorder. Do you know who it is? The people affected by borderline personality disorder. And part of why I want to talk about the things that I'm talking about, it's not about, it's not about me and it's not about the other people that have the mental health or addiction issues. It's about the people that choose to love us. Because if you are willing to talk about your crap, if you're willing to talk about your borderline personality, your, your schizophrenia, your, your, your depression, your suicidal tendencies, if you're willing to talk about it, it gives permission for the people in your life to talk about it too, and that frees them. Because it's hell on the family too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they're the ones that uh, suffer in silence as well, right? It's because the, the less that people talk about what they're going on, the, the less the family feels to, you know, oh, I, I can't say nothing. And you, you get locked into a vicious cycle of secrecy. Yeah. And instead of, you know, getting support or getting um, someone just to to talk with or to vent with you, you lock yourself into, to the darkness. Like for me, I just say I lived in darkness for 17 years. I was um, angry and I didn't let anyone in. Right. But once you start talking about it, it's like you said, the family can start talking about it as well because they're adversely affected. Like, they're 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 more adversely affected because they love you and they don't have a clue to what's going on well, like you can tell them borderline or schizophrenia but they can read that in a book but they you know knowing something and going through something are two different things yeah and, and you're right and 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 family members girlfriends wives husbands boyfriends they they take it upon themselves to keep the secret for you because they're trying to protect you. And 
and that's a lot of responsibility on the people that choose to love the, you know, mental health, um, especially like borderline personality disorder and addiction. It, the people that are, it's, it's, it's this fine line between being a blessing and being a, um, a, a what is it? An, an, an enabler because enabler, yeah. it's such a blessing to have those people that are going to stand by you and be there for you. But then there's that balancing of like, okay, when am I enabling? When am I actually allowing and creating the space for this to keep happening? Because that's a real thing too. Oh yeah. That's a, a major thing in addictions. Family become major in, um, in a person's behaviors and they don't even realize that they are part of the problem. Yeah. God, I, I at the same time, I don't know. The best thing my mom ever did was leave me in jail. Changed my life. She let tough me sit. Love. Tough love. You know, because here's the thing. It's it, there's nothing that's going to just like fix you. Like even even when I gave my gave my life to Christ, it didn't fix me. It, it changed my heart. But you have to do the work. Like you got to do the work. You got to fall in love with the work every day. I don't care what your belief system is. You got to build your armor every day. Like say you pretend that there's no God you still have to face crap throughout the day. And if you haven't taken the time to yeah. build your armor for the day, guess what? That stuff is gonna knock you down quick, you know? And it, it, it's, it's fortunate that, I mean, like I'm, I, I, it's, it's the work. It's falling in love with the work that changes everything, if you ask me. Well, that and paying attention, right? You've got to pay attention to to everything you you do. You said you stopped um, you stopped uh, quiet time and you you stopped you know well, giving yourself to God, right? Yeah. So doing the work is one of the most important things. Paying attention to your own behaviors is right there with it. it it's all. It's all a combination. You have to do more than just one thing to get up. You know, you gave yourself your heart to uh, to God, but you still had to do a lot of other things as well. I agree. To get on the track you wanted to be. Well, listen, guys, I'm um, like, we, I, I, I told, I've completely abandoned. I don't have a script for the show, but normally what I do is one thing. But like, I just... This seemed appropriate and this seemed like a real conversation and I'm glad that we had it. And I would love to have you back on. Um, I'd like to do this again. And like, I, I want you to take your books. Um, if you'd plug them in the comments, I want people to know how to find you guys. Um, I really, I, I love the fact that you took all of the childhood crap that happened and now you're using it to bless other people and enrich people's lives. I, I, I have nothing but respect for that because it's my own personal mission. It's almost to make, it's almost like it will help make sense of everything. But I have so much respect for people like you. And I, I just want to say thank you and God bless you guys and, you know, keep it up. But I would love to have you back on sometime. I'd love to learn more about your book. 
and and what you guys are creating. But I thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Thank you for having us. All right. God bless. I'll thank see you guys. You. Thank you. Okay. So that sucks for them because I don't think they got to talk about any of the stuff they wanted to talk about, but I actually respect them for what they do probably more than I do most people in that field because that was a real conversation. They were honest. I appreciate that. And they didn't care about their, their, you know, maybe it's because they're in Canada, but I don't know. But the fact is this, they were honest. They were honest about addiction and mental health. And if you just joined the show, it's worth watching the replay. Um, the Wi-Fi connection wasn't great, but it doesn't matter. Like you can hear what they were saying. Both of them, super kudos. Hope they plug the book because I want to. I want to know more. Um, God bless you guys. I'm sorry I did not see who was here in the comments until the very last minute, and then the comments disappeared again. So if I didn't shout you out, I'm sorry. Didn't do it on purpose. Um, I love you guys. Thank you for the support. I may do a show tomorrow. See, there they go. All the comments pop back up. <laughs> anyway, I love you guys. Have a great night, and I'll see you soon. Bye.